Patsy Deference is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Fresh off the practice fields in Foxborough, Massachusetts, we are back, baby, officially back with some Patriots football here in the Pats Interference Podcast brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. And I will be completely honest with you, this time of year, you can call it the first day of school, which is always a little bittersweet. For me, this is one of the best parts of the job. Going to practice, taking as many notes as I can, digesting that. What are the big stories from today? What do they mean? What are the smaller things I'm observing that are going to be big stories tomorrow or the day after that or the day after that? And then writing 2,000 words. Today was in the press box where the media is going to be operating this summer. And then coming back and going, oh, I haven't done a podcast in 10 days. So for that break, the 10 days without the podcast, first of all, I apologize. Um, I was thinking about doing a training camp preview earlier this week. Obviously, we've been doing podcasts once a week. The decision was made that, look, a training camp preview on Monday is going to have a really short shelf life because we went down to Gillette on Tuesday, heard from Bill Belichick, a couple of different players. Those press conferences create headlines. Then it's on to Wednesday, practice, more press conferences. There's just not a lot of value in previewing something that really we've been talking about the whole time. But good news. We are not only going to have a second podcast this week on Friday, uh, when I'll record Friday night, might not be out until Saturday, recapping the first three practices, what have we learned, but I am going to be twice a week moving forward all the way through the end of the draft. So you will get a lot more of this podcast, not only through the season, but through free agency, the draft, a little space in the middle where we kind of do a little bit of both, uh, and what is going to be a very critical nine months for the Patriots, because as I wrote today for the Herald, recording here late Wednesday, again, after the first practice. It's a prove-it season. I don't care if you're Bill Belichick. I don't care if you're Mac Jones. I don't care if you're Joe Cardona, who just got a nice fat contract, more than I think any long snapper in history. But Joe, Bill, and Mac, it's time to prove it. Because as we know, and I've documented on this podcast, the Patriots are 25 and 26. We don't have to go through the details of the coaching debacle that was last year or 2021, where again, they faded down the stretch, or 2020, which was failed by bad drafts for years beforehand that just rotted out the roster. The deal is the Patriots don't get your blind faith anymore. They don't deserve it. Even the benefit of the doubt, in my opinion, is a luxury. The good news is, and we're going to talk about this a lot today before we finally get to my practice notes, what I've gathered listening to Bill on Tuesday, and today it was Mac Jones and Matt Groh, the director of player personnel, who was just going to go into witness protection as far as the media is concerned until about a week or two before the draft, because it's just how they operate. Um, The Patriots are being more honest with you through me and other reporters than they've been lately. They get a sense that maybe it's not a prove it season in their mind, but the pressure is on. You didn't see it from Bill, though he was a little more forthcoming on different topics. You can go back through the video, the transcript, if you want, by the time you listen to this, it'll be two days later. But Matthew Slater also spoke on Tuesday, and he gave voice to something on his own, speaking about the special teams, saying, quote, I think the time for excuses is up. It's time to put up or shut up. Naturally, I ran with that as the lead of my column. That's the state of the whole Patriots right now. Again, for any of these different players, David Andrews earlier had said it's not good enough looking back in the last three years because we know they haven't lived up to their standard. Yada, yada. Again, we're looking forward. But in looking forward, Today, from macro, let's go over two big topics because these things will last longer than my practice notes, which, to be honest, I'm going to give them to you because I worked hard on them. If you want more, go to thebostonherald.com, pick up a paper. There's over 2,000 words in everything that I saw. 
But again, it's a, it's a shelf life thing. Same thing with the training camp preview. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on those because we'll have another practice Thursday, another one on Friday, a break, and back to practice for Sunday. Um, and the truth is, we'll learn more when we have some trends. Okay, Part of this is a sample size issue. One practice doesn't mean a whole lot on its own. They're not even padded. The team itself is not evaluating players Okay, right now. So we'll get to those notes. But in the meantime, things like Max's relationship with Bill Belichick, that matters. That's going to carry over time. We have a two-year sample now of what that looks like when it's good and when it's bad. And when right now Mac looks at it and says, quote, I think we're good. Because that was the big story of today. And that is going to be a big story, particularly if he struggles or the offense does as a whole. Because we understand what that dynamic looked like last year when things were bad. Right now, things are rosy. Things are great. Because Bill O'Brien, well, I'll tell you, did have some nice wrinkles today in the red zone is their buffer. Okay. He's, he's the guy that's running the offense. The head coach of the offense is Josh McDaniels was for much of that year. And so Mac Jones in speaking about Bill Belichick and mentioning, I think we're good, which, which says a lot on its own. It sounds like someone after a big fight with their spouse or someone you haven't talked to in a while, but ultimately Bill Belichick does not need a great relationship with his quarterback to succeed. And that quarterback doesn't need a great relationship with Bill Belichick to succeed. We saw it for much of the last few years of Brady's tenure, but those guys had a buffer then, and his name was Josh McDaniels. Mac Jones, obviously, is not Brady. Bill O'Brien is not Josh McDaniels, but the setup is in place where they can get over this, and it's important because they're the head coach and the quarterback, man. This is the engine. This is the driver of the car, the whole operation. If either one of those fails, it doesn't really matter what else is going with the 52 other players in the roster or whoever many coaches they have on staff. Now, another thing that Mac Jones talked about today, which is going to be very important as we look forward, is trust. He volunteered this on his own in a question asked by a friend of the podcast, Mike Giardi, who was asking him basically, (laughs) Mike patting himself on the back in the process. Mike asked, quote, a lot of your teammates have said to me that you, meaning Mac, are sort of embraced the change and have been energized by the change of coordinators. What is it about that change that has given you a little more pep in your step? if you will. Uh, And Mac's response was in the middle of this to say, you know, I need them to feel confident in me and I need to feel confident in them. And quote, I think that's built through trust. I think that's the big word here for this training camp is trust. He goes on to say it's going to come through trial and error and this and that. Trust is important in a very unsexy way when we talk about the Patriots or football and any sort of sports. You don't get any points. For trust. Okay. You don't win any headlines or press conferences talking about things like trust, but when you don't have trust, which the Patriots did not last year from player to player, from player to coach, people I've spoken with from coach to coach, what you do get is a lot of losing and even more dysfunction. And we've been through that. I've documented that personally. So when Mac volunteers that trust is something the Patriots are actively working to rebuild as they're installing plays and they're taking reps and they're growing chemistry, that's huge because trust breeds timing on offense. It breeds the confidence he talked about, not only just from player to player and where he's going to throw the ball because he can count on, you know, Devontae Parker, Juju Smith-Schuster, whomever's, you know, he trusts the most. We, We talked about with trust and Brady and his receivers for 20 years, right? It's the play caller to the quarterback. Last year, I don't know how many times on third and eight longer, Matt Patricia was calling a downfield screen where a receiver runs a little underneath route, all the offensive linemen run ahead of him. And it's just a screen 
instead of two yards behind the line of scrimmage, but two or three or four yards downfield because he didn't trust Mac Jones to hang in there. And Mac Jones didn't trust protection. The whole thing fell apart. So the fact that the Patriots have, in my opinion, correctly diagnosed this and are building this out, and we'll see how it moves forward. Again, if Mac looks spooked at the first sign of pressure throughout the rest of training camp, that's a problem. But to me, that quote was huge because I think Bill O'Brien coming in realizes the real issue wasn't that they kept running the same bubble screen RPO or a slant flat when it came down to the goal line or whatever predictable outside zone run that failed and failed and failed. It was Patricia didn't trust Mac Jones. Mac Jones didn't trust Patricia and Belichick or his protection. And the receivers didn't trust Mac to get them the ball. They're starting over. They're having a fresh start. And that was something Mac also gave voice to with Belichick. And we've heard from plenty of different guys. So that's not new. But those quotes really stood out to me. The other part, and again, I promise we're going to get to the good practice notes. Mac Rowe spoke today. I want to go over what he said, because there are two things, one of which I know you're absolutely going to need and want to know about, was the receiver part of this. Why didn't you sign DeAndre Hopkins? I don't want to continue to beat the dead horse, uh, if you will, about this. But it was interesting to hear him answer the question, quote, what is your definition of a number one wide receiver? Because that's been the talking point, right? It's been the talking point here, TV, radio, the Patriots don't have a number one. They don't have a number one. They don't have a number one. Well, what does it look like to the Patriots? If you've ever wondered, here's the answer. Matt Groh said, quote, in scouting, we typically define a number one wide receiver who is a three down guy. If that player has inside, outside, outside, inside versatility, meaning he can play outside the numbers or in the slot. That's great. But it's a player who can go out there typically an X who we think of as a guy who can go out and get open on his own. The hallmarks that we have here for receivers are get open, catch the ball and gain yards after the catch. The more they can do size wise to be involved in the run game. That's important as well. So there you have it. The reason I bring that up, of course, is Deandre Hopkins, because by that definition, as we've heard from favorite Belichick mouthpiece and former Patriots executive, Michael Lombardi, and I, I think there's some truth to this. I'm not knocking Lombardi for this take. DeAndre Hopkins is a guy who's never really gotten that open. He's excellent in contested catch situations. He's a slick route runner, okay? But as he ages, those talents don't really age that well with him. So the Patriots don't see DeAndre Hopkins as a number one. By that definition, someone who gets open, okay, can catch the ball, certainly has outstanding hands, and then does stuff after the catch, he doesn't really do two of those three. So whether you're satisfied with that answer or not, and I wouldn't be, I would still say he comes in, he's your best freaking receiver on the roster, your hallmarks are not. And the size stuff and run blocking, I think is, I don't know how much they prioritize that. It should be so, not even secondary, it should be tertiary to the scouting of receivers. Guys who can get open, it's that and everything else. In my opinion, they don't see Hopkins as a number one. That's why their offer didn't come up and have this happen. And when you talk about yards after the catch, I've already reported that was the tiebreaker between Juju Smith-Schuster coming here and Jacoby Myers. Now, the more important thing is we, again, try to look forward, even though I keep dragging this back into the past, is to talk about the idea of spending, okay? The Patriots have sent the second least amount of money on their roster of any team in the league this year. They're scheduled to spend the least amount of money on their roster in upcoming years. I asked Matt Grow point blank, why are you one of the cheapest teams in the league? And he basically pointed to the fact that we've talked about here for a while, as far as it came up with Hopkins, is that it's not been about the money for the Patriots. They've got the cap. They've got the cash. For them, it's how they fit their contracts in altogether, positionally, and then within the locker room. 
So whether you buy it or not, they're valuing the things I've told you the whole time. The money for Hopkins would have been what it represents for a player who might not buy all the way in with Bill O'Brien's program. And come week 13, if he doesn't really want to practice, what does that do for Demario Douglas, who, by the way, was getting reps with the starters today? Okay, if he's a little dinged up, does he follow DeAndre Hopkins' lead? Or Bill O'Brien, who's been busting his ass for rounding off slants and not getting enough depth on post routes? Probably the star guy that he's been looking up to for, for his entire playing career as a high school and college player. Anyway. Those are the things to keep in mind because those are the things the Patriots keep in mind when it comes to building a roster. And again, they should be spending more money. Macro didn't have a really good answer to that. Phil Perry followed up after I had left because they had brought Trent Brown over um, and Doug and I are, are splitting you know, duties. Of course, they got a lot of press conferences going on. Doug wrote about Macro today. So he sat there the whole time. Phil asked, what does that say about your intentions as a team when you're not spending that much or really using all the resources. And, and Gro's response was basically the standard is the standard. It'll always be the standard. We want to have as much success as possible, blah, blah, blah. Not satisfactory to me. And it shouldn't be for you. Why? It's a prove it year. And they're not doing everything they can to prove it to you. And maybe they don't believe in Mac Jones. That's a conversation for another day. You know, chasing bad money with good money, as it were. But their books are pretty clean, man. And their roster needs are obvious. And they haven't poured all of those resources into making it happen. But the good news is they're being honest. We know the process now. Bill's going to do his thing. But whether it's Matthew Slater or Mac Jones or Matt Grow, this is good for everybody. Let's get it on the record. Let's talk about these things. Let's not go to the same catalog of cliches just to get by and get through the media. Because that time, if I were a fan, should be over. For two numbers and two words. 25 and 26. All right, the good stuff. Let's get to practice today. Again, the Patriots are going to practice uh, 9.30 on Thursday. Practice each day from, from today, Wednesday, to Thursday, to Friday. They're going to get a little bit longer. This is very much a ramping up period. It's an extension of OTAs. As I mentioned, they're not evaluating players right now. It's a lot of installation. Look, if you have a good day, that's going to be, you know, a gold star for you. If you allow three sacks and you're an offensive lineman, you don't have pads on, that's bad. But the evaluation isn't really weighted at this time right now because they don't have the pads on. It's not real football. Um, but it's just something to keep in mind. They're, they're ramping up physically, more work to not put so much stress in the body. Part of this is legislated by the CBA, avoid injuries, blah, blah, blah. Um, but right now, as the Patriots ramp up to pads starting on Monday, they're in really good shape because the first thing you'll always find in my practice reports after an intro to kind of get out the big story of the day is attendance. Three players missing today. Mike Nguyenu, he's on PUP. Cody Davis, he's on PUP. And Calvin Anderson, your ideal swing tackle, uh, has an illness, non-football related. That's great. The only other note on the injury front, Marte Mapu had a red non-contact jersey. We saw that in the spring. Uh, didn't really matter. Again, I don't see a huge path to playing time for him. That might change. He's a really good player from what we've seen. Certainly was in college, even a lower level. Um, but we'll move on. Play of the day. Kyle Duggar's interception. Mac Jones <laughs> threw his first pass in a competitive period. I only chart seven on sevens and 11 on 11s when everyone's trying and they're going full speed. But his first pass in that setting went to the other team. Kyle Duggar undercut a pass in the low red zone where the team worked all day today, uh, intended for Mike Kosicki. I talked to Kyle about this after, understood he had leverage. It was a single high coverage. So we allowed Mike Kosicki to 
cut inside and then he undercut the throw and it was an easy pick. So this is a good sign for Kyle Duggar. Obviously somebody who's going to be counted on a lot to defend tight ends in man coverage. You flip it and go it around to Mac Jones say, well, this is bad. This is a starting quarterback. This really isn't good. Well, you'll be happy to know that he threw two touchdown passes later to Hunter Henry. So after that pass, he was six and nine, including touchdowns, one of which was scored against Kyle Duggar and another against Christian Gonzalez, perhaps two of your best pass defenders or defenders overall in this entire team. Those passes went to Hunter Henry. So he had a very good practice. Kyle Duggar, the play of the day, Hunter Henry, the player of the day, caught two of four targets. One of the incompletions wasn't his fault. The other one hit his hand, but one of these, you know, diving attempts in the back corner, Adrian Phillips got on him uh, on a little corner round. So good day for Hunter Henry. As for the quarterbacks overall, I mentioned six and nine after that interception. Overall, that means Mac Jones was five of 10 with the pick. Bailey Zappi, four of 11, and Trace McSorley, three of 10. If you want to freak out over those numbers, fine. I'm just going to tell you, if you do, it's going to be a long summer. To me, those numbers, I don't care right now. It's too early. They're in the tight red zone. Everything's a little bit faster. The windows are tighter and it's more difficult. And it's supposed to be difficult because you know where the Patriots especially sucked last year? The low red zone. And they always start camp this way to emphasize this area. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't, as we saw last season. But anyway, wait until we get a bigger sample here and wait for them to get out of the red zone where things will open up a little bit more. And I think they'll really get a test there. But um, other notes on that, you know, Bailey Zappi was particularly bad in 11 on 11s, which is really, again, your barometer. Mac Jones was four of seven. Sappy was two of eight. He was erratic. And of those two completions, one was tipped at the line. He had three passes tipped to the line, two went incomplete. The other one obviously was completed. And the other one was just a pass into the flat for Matt Sokol, who was wide open, back up tight end. So that's a performance that overall looks bad from a raw number standpoint, but in context is even worse. Uh, studs, players who had a really good day today. Ty Montgomery. I've knocked Ty Montgomery, thinking the explosion is gone. He's a guy who doesn't really have a role. Here's his role, Andrew Callahan. It's a backup running back and receiver. He's just going to catch the ball wherever he's going to be because that's what he did today. Four catches and team drills led everyone. It was four more than Kendrick Bourne had, four more than Tyquan Thornton had, and that's your number three and number four receiver. Again, these raw numbers, I don't care at this stage, but – you deserve the details. You want the details. Here they are. Um, one of those catches for Ty Montgomery contested catch over Marte Mapu for a touchdown. I like that effort. Other stud from today, Sean Wade. I would bet a lot. You forgot about Sean Wade and I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame you. Okay. Guy was traded. I think it was 2021 from the Ravens fifth round pick had a great, uh, he was his second to last year in college. Played in the slot as a nickelback, moved outside of Ohio State, busted. I'm pretty sure, yeah, 2019 to 2020. Comes to the league in 2021. The Ravens are like, we're good, man. We don't need you. We just drafted you. We'll ship you up north. And he's really done nothing. He was a professional, healthy scratch last year. But today, he was a professional, this is going to sound terrible, pass breaker upper. And that's what he was. We're, gonna, we're just going to stick with that. We're tired. We're sweaty. We're gross. Anyway, two pass breakups for him. And team drills that led all players on defense, both came at Trace McSorley's expense. But when you're up the ass crack of Raleigh Webb or any receiver that you're covering and you get those pass breakups, credit to you because you did your job. You stopped the receiver from getting open, you stopped them from getting the ball. That's a win. Good job by Sean Wade. Duds, uh, already mentioned Bailey Zappi, two or three to start, miserable to finish. The completions weren't that particularly impressive. Um, he was hurried on occasion, but 
if you're still talking about a quarterback competition, you want one. You're hoping for one. You are crossing your feet and your toes before bed every single night that you get one the next day because it's just not there. Mac Jones is the starter. We saw that in the way they distributed reps. And the way Bailey Zappi played today is only going to cement that any further. Another dud, Tyquan Thornton. Um, again, he had the same amount of catches as Kendrick Bourne, who didn't even get a target in team drills. Again, just pumped the brakes. So Bourne was very quiet to end minicamp, which is not great. But Tyquan Thornton did have a target, and it got batted away by Miles Bryant, who I know is the fan base's favorite punching bag. I think Miles Bryant is a useful player. I think he's a limited player. He was starting at Nickelback today, by the way, with the starting unit, and they're going to rotate. Um, but that's something the Patriots really can't afford if Tyquan Thornton isn't primed for this year to leave. And again, I'm not there. We're on the first page of this new storybook season. We don't know what the hell is going to happen over the remaining chapters. It's way, 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 way too early. But he either needs more attention to earn those targets, and certainly when he does, he needs to do more with them. You'd like to see more from a guy that they traded up in the second round uh, to go get. Other offensive notes, we mentioned this in the spring. We've seen it more in the summer. Two tight ends is a thing, man, and we've discussed this. Reminder, Stevenson is a starter. Devontae Parker and Juju Smith-Schuster are going to be starters at receiver, and Hunter Henry is your number one tight end with a bullet. That leaves one, one skill position spot available, and that really comes down to Mike Gesicki and Kendrick Bourne. The coaching staff so far is telling all of us it's not even a decision. It's Mike Gesicki with the way that they've been playing offense, um, and that's doesn't look like it's going to change if Kendrick Bourne has more days uh, like he did. And this is someone I'm high on. Contract year, much better shape now. Got his head on straight. But he's got an uphill battle because Mike Kosicki looks good uh, here so far. Um, one other note about the starting unit and how they're splitting up those reps, the receivers should go right now in your pecking order. Juju Smith-Schuster, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, Tyquan Thornton. Your fifth receiver as of July 26, which doesn't matter a whole lot, is Demario Douglas, six-round rookie out of Liberty, five foot eight, 192 pounds. He's got a quickness that virtually no one else on the roster has. He plays slot in a way that nobody else does. He was also returning punts with Miles Bryant and Marcus Jones today. This is a player where I talked about what's the big picture story today. What are the smaller things I'm seeing? They're going to be stories later on. I don't know if Demario Douglas is going to be a story later on. What I do know is what I observed today says the staff is very confident in him or they want him for whatever other reason to succeed because while Kayshawn Booty was hanging out with the scout team during early 11 on 11 works, Demario Douglas was chilling with all the starters and we'll see what he does. He was 0 for 2 in target and team drills, something to tuck in the back of your mind. Uh, top targets today, Ty Montgomery caught all four of his. Hunter Henry, 2 of 4. Raleigh Webb, a big 0 for 3. It's hard to see him right now, and I'm not just talking about one practice training camp, but OTAs and the way they added more core special teamers um, to this roster to, to see Raleigh Webb, who they you know signed off the Ravens practice squad, I think it was last year, um, to, to see him get a roster spot. We'll see. It's just been a real struggle. Uh, offensive line. This is important, obviously, because Trent Brown was at practice today. He looked good, said he felt good, talked to him about an extension. Talked to my agent, okay? He said he didn't know about any conversations. And a lot of good things to say about Bill O'Brien. Um, you can read those again at bostonherald.com. He's starting at left tackle. That much we know. Then it goes Cole Strange at left guard. David Andrews at center. Surprise! It's Bill Murray at right guard. Now, this is, of course, because Mike Onwenu, as mentioned, 
is hurt. He's on PUP. But Bill Murray, a converted defensive lineman, not from two years ago, not from three years ago, but from just last season, is now getting first-team reps at right guard. And then it's Riley Reef, who the Patriots, according to The Athletic, are planning on being their starting right tackle. He gave up at least one sack today in non-pad. Some other reporters had Josh Uche beating him for a would-be sack, and he can't touch the quarterback, so you get close, and then you pull up. Uh, it's like running into a kid that's not yours at the fair. Just, oh, sorry. Uh, and so I'm not ready to evaluate Riley Reef. I don't think it's the time for that. But the thing to know is he is also, so long as Calvin Anderson is out, your top reserve at left tackle. Okay. And then after him, it's Connor McDermott. So the Patriots last year went down to their fourth right tackle or fourth offensive tackle pretty quickly because we saw a lot of Connor McDermott, who is fine. He's fine. That's what he is as a player. After them at City Sal, you got some snaps at right tackle. Talked about this before. He's a fourth round pick at Eastern Michigan career college guard played more college games than virtually anyone in that draft class, but almost all of them came at guard and not tackle um, other players playing right guard, Jake Andrews, fourth round rookie out of Troy. He was their backup center. I think that's his role moving forward. You can almost put that in pen and Antonio Maffi, who the two of them, Andrews and Maffi, unlike city Sal, were also with the starters. So your top eight were the starters that I mentioned across the board with Murray and reef. And the backups were McDermott, Mafia and Andrews, at least for one day. Um, and we'll see where that goes when obviously Calvin Anderson gets back. Okay, defensively, we've got way longer <laughs> practice notes. I, I tried to downplay them. I said, don't wait, you know, or don't listen to this. It doesn't matter a whole lot. We're having fun. Again, I love this part of the job. Um, but we'll have a lot more trends and things that you should really sink your teeth into uh, when it, it, it's, it's Friday night and I'm recording and I don't know when it'll come out. Anyway, Kyle Duggar had an interception. Sean Wade had two pass breakups. Other pass breakups. Uh, executed by Jelani Tavai, Mac Wilson, Miles Bryant, Brendan Schooler, and Rodney Randall Jr., Teacher Twice, and Jabril Peppers. I gave him a half sack each. Teacher Twice had a great pass rush around Riley Reed. On the opposite side, Jabril Peppers came in through untouched. Okay, defense is spinning the dial. The offense is learning their ABCs with this new system, which again, there's very basic but clear creativity in the red zone you didn't see last year over a 17 game season. One practice, you're already seeing that it's an upgrade. So I would just Hold your breath. Uh, the name I want to focus on today because there are not a lot of ton of notes here defensively is Mac Wilson. Mac Wilson is up to 245 pounds, according to the team website, or at least 240. That's a lot for a guy who played at 230, has played at 230, and is known as a smaller, lighter linebacker. Like he's only 6'1. There's not a whole lot of room to put those extra 10, 15 pounds. He's done it. He was running with the starting defense in 11 on 11s when they played two linebackers. Now, Juwan Bentley replaced him as the one linebacker in dime packages when they would go to six defensive backs, which they did more than virtually the rest of the league, passing situations or third and longs, because Wilson's eyes were in the wrong place far, far, far too often. And Bentley, while slow-footed generally, played pretty well in pass coverage. And he's a hell of a blitzer, and he calls the defense anyway, so he took over and did a very good job of it. What does that look like moving forward? I don't know, but this is one of those small observations that I would just say, keep an eye on Mac Wilson, particularly in preseason games starting in two weeks, suddenly, um, as of Thursday. Now, Jack Jones, I'm surprised it's taken me too long. It's probably a flag on me for this because he didn't practice. I think you probably know that by now. What I'll mention, though, is he didn't run with starters. Your starting corners were Christian Gonzalez and Jonathan Jones, and then Miles Bryant and Nickelback and Jonathan Jones and Marcus Jones will cycle in at Nickelback. Okay. So you don't have to hate Miles Bryant as much as the band Nickelback. 
But Jack Jones was with the second team defense. And I don't expect to hear from Jack Jones, having spoken to Patriots PR today for a little while. I'm going to call the league and see what the rules are because all players are expected to be available at least once a week. Um, obviously, his legal situation puts him in a unique situation, but rules are rules if the NFL intends to enforce them. Anyway, it's interesting to me that he's there with the second team. It could be related to the off-field stuff. It might not be. But again, he was the best player I saw on the field at the last mini camp practice. And right now, he didn't get a single snap, as far as I could see, uh, with the starting defense. So we'll see where that brings them. Uh, Jalen Mills also ran with the second team defense. He's among those safeties. It's a lot of Kyle Duggar, a lot of Adrian Phillips, Jabril Peppers, um, and Bill Belichick, who, unlike last year, just couldn't get close enough to the offense and the quarterbacks like Patricia and Judge. He was bouncing around again. And I think that, from my standpoint, going into my sixth season covering the team and before then knowing a lot more when I obviously lived through the other part of the dynasty uh, love the NFL. I think that's where he's best suited. You use a guy who most people in the league would tell you could code virtually at any position. Now we know to varying degrees of success, but bouncing around the field. And he started with the defense, talk with Mac during a little bit in team drills. There is no, they're not talking to each other. Okay. It's not a great relationship, but it just has to be a functioning one. Uh, special teams, Marcus Jones, Marios Douglas, Miles Bryant. We're returning punch Joe judge. Um, He's back where he belongs. He's, he's working on special teams. So that's it. They want to camp happened. Those are all the notes, but the things to take away are comments from Mac Jones about trust. And he thinks he's good with Bill Belichick, which also, by the way, goes for a lot of players. Bill does not bond with players. He keeps his distance intentionally. He will walk through the locker room. I've seen him do this and, and not make eye contact with guys. Okay. I, I'm not putting a ton of stock ton of stock into that one moment or those times, but I think you already know this about him. So whether Mac thinks he's good, that's pretty much where Belichick wants all of his guys. Mac Rowe, you want to know what number one receiver is to the Patriots? It's not DeAndre Hopkins based on that definition. Why aren't they spending? Well, that's just not a good enough answer, but they're giving you answers. They're giving you better answers. And I can only hope for my sake so that I can bring you more insight and analysis and reporting that they keep that up because they're in a real tough spot this year with the hardest schedule in the league but we are still about 40 days away from kickoff. Day one of training camp is a lot of fun. We'll have a lot more coming for you. Uh, recording Friday night, the next two practices, what were the trends, the themes of the first three days. In the meantime, if you appreciated my rambling here on day one and any of the podcasts beforehand, please leave a review on Apple. Uh, we had a lot of you give that bump with the ratings. Leave your comments, thoughts, tweet at me, email me, whatever you want. It just helps us grow which we are going to continue to do, especially now going twice a week, all the way through the 2024 draft. Apple, Spotify, wherever you're getting your podcast, give us a rating and a review, please. It would be a huge, huge help. And don't forget to support the people that support us, which include FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Until then, happy summer. We're back, baby. Mm-hmm.